don't <laughs> be cool <laughs> is that i don't know that's that's worked out for me there's been so many opportunities where i could have like shot off and not been a friend or cut people off and and try to do i guess as i said in the, in the last part try to be uh, exclusive I, I i don't know i don't buy into i don't buy into that personally that's not where i come from because because you, you never know when you're gonna someone's gonna need your help or, or you're gonna need somebody's help and you're gonna need, have to collaborate and Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. This is part two of our interview with Parker Jacobs. And uh, Parker, at the end of part one, you read a really great quote, and I actually think we should we should have you read it again and start this episode off with with that as kind of our starting place. Is that okay? Sure, totally. It's uh, from Calvin Coolidge. Nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. It's true. Yeah, I love so, it. I think about, I don't know, for me, being an action sports kid, like, for whatever reason, usually when I started things, I could kind of pick them up, you know, but I couldn't progress as fast as other people. Like, I would I would start out and I like I had enough to get over the hump where a bunch of other kids quit, right? But yeah. I didn't get very good very fast, but I did stick with things long enough, you know, and I was the first kid in our high school to be able to land backfoots on a snowboard or switch 540s or 30 foot cliff jumps. And, you know, like I look at those things and it was that kind of like, you know, I, I wish it was raw talent, you know, for some reason, I think I'd be prouder of it instead of just like mindless hours repeating it, sure. you know? Well, and, go ahead. And I think that that was the here's another here's another quote. Talent is applied interest, right? Do you know who said that one? Mm -mm. Bob Ross, Joy Painting. That's right. <laughs> Isn't that a great one? Because it is a... really, if you like it enough, you're gonna do it. If you're interested in it enough to apply yourself, you're gonna do well in it. And and I'm sure there is something to say that people that naturally have physical abilities. That you know, or yeah, got to be tall enough to be yeah, you know? tall enough to be a basketball player, short enough to be a jockey. Some of those limitations, right? Right, sure. I mean that that applies there, but really, it's just about being interested and applying that interest, and just keep keep banging that hammer. And so that's kind of been my experience with whatever I've been doing, whether it be acting or music or making TV shows or drawing cartoons or making toys or pajama prints. It's just applying that interest like, and, and having fun with it. Well, I look at this, you know, I know in part one, we talked about just when you were a head designer at Paul Frank, just the huge success that you guys had and all the movie stars begging for your stuff and, you know, really became such a desirable brand. And then um, the TV show with your brother, Christian and, and everybody, Yo Gabba Gabba. And, you know, you think about, the fleeting success in Hollywood and you guys did 66 episodes, right? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, so I looked up some of these bands and, and artists, you know, 
most deaf, the killers, Jimmy world, obviously Devo and the Aquabats, but like the list just goes on and on management. You know, it's my favorite. One of my favorites on here is weird Al Yankovic. How great is that? That was, that was so monumental to have him on there. And what was really, really fun working on this show is we had every day of shooting was a costume contest as well. So, and, and we all didn't have to participate in it, but that was like one of the real motivations. It was like a real challenge. Oh no, what day is it today? What do I have to dress up as? And, and I remember for that particular day that he was on there was the, was Devo dress up day. So I remember the night before going, oh, great. What am I going to do? How can I out Devo, you know, the Aquabats or, or, you know, everybody else. And I watched Weird Al's Dare to be Stupid video and so he he did the thing with the with the pantyhose and the and the oranges I guess and on their on their face and 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 with tape with Devo so I was like okay that's that's what Weird Al thinks thinks uh, thinks what Devo is so that was the costume I wore because it was also cheap too I didn't have to go buy an energy dome but so he was one of the he was the judge in the costume contest and he picked me and I won woo yeah. because because it was his video I was playing to my audience. I love it. I love it. You know, you think about how many of the people I usually have on the show, venture capitalists, you know, Fortune 500 CEOs or entrepreneurs who are, you know, entrepreneurs who, you know, we had a guy on here, Matt Young, who's doing $100 million a year selling beanbags through Costco and Sam's Club called Big Joe, right? And there's so many of the, like, there's so many of the, like, like, those guys had to compete so hard against the other finance kids trying to get through Harvard or, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's such a uh, rewarding path, but it's also such a competitive path. And I look at what you guys have done, both yourself in your career and with your brothers and friends and Johnny B and everyone of like, kind of like you said in last episode, kind of when everybody's zigging, you're zagging. Right. And yeah, (laughs) you think about like, just the, like the excitement and the fun that you guys bring to things. And you think again, a kid show, this is not, this is not usually what people think of as for like a, uh, you know, a reputation upgrade. Oh, I wonder if I could get associated with a children's show yet. You guys have, you know, we already talked about Jack Black, but Jason Bateman, Andy Samberg, Tony Hawk, Elijah Wood, Sarah Silverman, Bill Hader, Anthony Bourdain. Like, you know what I mean? You, You think about how kind of like, and this almost sounds cliche, but like you pursuing your passion also with an eye to what's what people are liking, but like you kind of like, I, I think about the years we've been friends and the stuff I know about from the years before that, like you guys were like, <laughs> I think about this, like Dolly Parton quote, what, like figure out who you are and be them on purpose. You know, <laughs> that's a good idea. Right. <laughs> I feel like you guys have done that so intense and you just keep rolling with it. Don't take yourself too serious. And all of a sudden it becomes like a giant magnet and, whether it's Aquabat shows all over the country for this punk ska band that kids are like obsessed with and mainstream media hadn't even hadn't necessarily even heard of. Right. Or this children's show, which again, college kids are like, did you see the latest episode of Yo Gabba Gabba? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's hilarious. And, and sometimes you forget that, that we did have that much more, that much credibility. I was reminded of it earlier. I had, somebody in the studio for a project I'm working on that's going to come out this Christmas 
and and I was a huge fan of his. I still am. And he was in he was in this band called Hepcat, and I just idolized him. And we had him on Alex Desire. We had him on on Yo Gabba Gabba for the Pick It Up thing. That was Go Go Thirteen. So that was my band's big. <laughs> that was our uh, entry into the 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 Gabba Galaxy of Stars. But we needed a we needed a front vocalist, and and we got him on there. And, and he he was relaying to me in retrospect that that was that did so much for his credibility, and that blows my mind because just to have him on I was like oh, I'm not worthy to even have you here. I still feel that way when I, when when we work together, but because uh, he's such, such an amazing talent. But yeah, I, it, it's really funny. And but in so doing, I you learn perspective. You learn perspective of things. I remember when I was working on the Wonder Years. And I was doing this scene with Fred Savage, who had, who was just up for an Emmy. And we were in front of a green screen, and we were in a car, and there were, it was like a, a a it was like a fantasy episode or, or a fantasy sequence. There, were, there was like hot girls with us, but we were you know teenage boys, so that wouldn't really happen. So we were have these hot girls with us in this car, and and I'm all nervous because I didn't have deodorant on, and I was a teenager. Anyways, but like, um, but who walks in? But Sean Cassidy walks in the back of the thing, and 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 in the back of the room to come see the filming. And I remember Fred Savage going, "Oh my gosh, that's that's David Cassidy's brother," you know. And to me, I didn't realize we were teenagers. I, I who's you're. You're you're Fred Savage, dude. You're just up for uh, you're just up for an Emmy. Who cares about David Cassidy's brother? Which I learned Sean Cassidy is a big deal. But that's the thing is it really is all relative, right? I mean, we're just all people just trying to make stuff and trying to trying to do things and 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 I, I think I learned that lesson then, but I'm still learning that lesson. Like you're not that we're all people, right? We're all, yeah. We're all, we all put our pants on one one leg at a time. Yeah, and well, we're making gold records. Let's <laughs> let's uh, let's plug your stuff for a minute here. So first of all, your Instagram is hilarious. Everybody should go to Instagram. It's Art of PJ, like Parker Jacobs. Art of PJ. PJ I like that. Put it on my luggage. <laughs> so go follow the stuff on Art of PJ. Do you want to promo any of your new projects that are coming out, or what? What can we sell for you? What should people go buy? Sure. Okay, well, so we'll talk about on my Instagram account. You have my most of the things you have there is my daily doodles. Every day, I've made it a, a commitment to scan my doodles. I'm a I'm a chronic doodler and note taker. I love taking notes and I love doodling, and so I thought I'd share them. So you'll see a lot of chicken scratches. They're not really I don't know art for art's sake. I maybe I shouldn't even call it Art of PJ, but but that's what you'll find most there. Um, what I've been pitching lately is I did a collaboration with Sketch Wallet, which it was this huge uh, success over Kickstarter, which is a wallet that comes with a sketchbook. Yeah, I'm looking at it and, now. That's fun. And I'm 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 a convert. They sent me a, a Sketch Wallet, and I carry mine around with me every day. And so we talked about doing a collaboration together since. I've designed a bazillion wallets with back in the Paul Frank days. It was, it was kind of easy. So what we did was I also, in the summertime, I teach, except for, I guess, this summer because of the COVID thing, I, I teach a design and doodling class for kids. And um, we teach design, we teach doodling, and we teach how they, how they go together. And so in the sketch wallet, it's a special, it's a special little book 
that teaches a lot of those basic principles about just building off of your doodles and turning uh, a nothing into a something. And so, so yeah, that that's one of the things I'm pitching now. I I guess we could talk about Goon Hauler and what 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 that is. Yeah, uh, Goon Hauler came from one of the first shorts that we did on on Gabba. It was our it was on our pilot. It was this this thing that's with a a Bigfoot and a bunch of uh, bright colored goons. And it was one of the things that I was able to carve the rights out for myself because it was something I was already working on. I was already doing children's books in my spare time <laughs> while I was working at, at uh, what, what spare time and Yogava Gava at nighttime. That was what we were doing. So anyway, so I said, so I carved out those rights and that's something I have been d- developing over the years. I put out three Goon Holler books, the Goon Holler guidebook, Welcome to Goon Holler and Goon Fishing, which we have been trying to develop into a TV show with Jack Black as a, as a producer which was, I could tell you some great stories of our pitch meetings with Jack Black and me in this eight foot Sasquatch furry monster costume, <laughs> trying to trying to sell people on our show. And so that's been good. I'm trying to make that happen. And we realized though, that something I've learned in my, I guess, kind of my failure, I, I totally believe in failing. I, and not everything I've done has been great. But what I've learned is that with my kind of cutesy preschoolish art style that really hit it big at Paul Frank and and Yo Gabba Gabba, people weren't getting what we're trying to do with Goon Holler. So after doing those those three books, which look they really look really young, and Goon Holler is supposed to be for an older demographic for the kids that outgrow Yo Gabba Gabba. I did a, a graphic novel. It's called Tubaloth of Goonhaller. And it's a 120-page graphic novel, basically a big comic book that you could film into a movie because it's too long. And that's coming out this Christmas time. And with it, and with the company that I'm doing this with, they do what they call our graphic albums, where they'll have the musicians put out the graphic novel and then they'll put out an accompanying album with it. So, so this two blocks of Goon Holler, they had me write, write it as a musical. And so it, it is going to be accompanied with an eight song soundtrack that hopefully will be a, you can get it on collector's vinyl or something like that. So kind of crazy. It's a daunting task. Never having done a comic book before to, to make, do a comic book, but make it a 120 page comic book. And make it a musical, and so it's it's kind of kind of like drawing a movie. Yeah. So that's kind of kind of crazy, and that's coming out. I'm excited about pitching that and promoting that, and and I'm also have this Christmas thing that I'm doing that's that's coming out around Christmas time. That's also it's also a book. And, and, and should song. people be looking on Amazon for stuff like that, or where where is it going to come out? Yeah, sure. Amazon, uh, Parker Jacobs on Facebook or on Instagram. Okay. Those are, those are good places to go. And the, you know, the Aquabats are still my bread and butter. I'm still still doing stuff for them all the time. That's fun. Well, you know, I'm thinking about lessons from from knowing you and hanging out with you and Johnny. And by the way, I still have to thank you. You know, ten years later, after you guys were willing to come up and do our benefit concert for our charity Child Rescue, you know, that was so amazing. You're thanking me. <laughs> I'm thanking you. What an amazing no, thing that was. No, it was so great. I mean, I look at you know. For people who don't know, we had like we had this big outdoor festival, and Parker's band came and played. It was with like Dashboard Confessional and Neon Trees and Three Eleven and Third Eye Blind and all. And 
it was really it, it really took everybody i mean like our my now business partner in our investment fund lindsay hadley she threw that entire thing with 20 bands and you know 4000 kids coming and 200 volunteers right it was her and one part-time employee and she organized all the rest of the volunteers and threw that whole thing if you can believe it hence the reason that thing was amazing right that was seriously one of the biggest i mean i've i've played you know i did warp tour we you know i've played some some big festivals and so i guess maybe that's why i was so shocked at what an event that was and what what a great thing that did for you know fighting child trafficking and I just remember all the tea lights that we all had when the lights went, were down and, and we have all of these like thousands of people going. with those little <laughs> electric candles. Yeah, that's fun, right? Well, what I have to say is I, I really appreciate you guys trekking up from California and coming and playing the show for us and doing all that. You know, that show proved to Sumner Redstone, the chairman of Viacom, that this was a real thing. And then just a couple of months later than that, he gave us enough funding that ran the charity for like six or seven years. And you know, it got to be a real thing. I mean, even just last year, we, you know, we have these like guys from the classified special ops units that run our stuff, right? And and even last year, you know, running operations with law enforcement and, and federal agencies and like, you know, got it over 30 kids out last year who were being trafficked by some pretty, some pretty nasty criminal organizations, right? And what you guys helped us sow the seeds of 10 years ago is still saving kids today. So, so thanks for that. Oh, man. That was amazing. I was so excited to be a part of that. It's still such a, such an important cause. It's like, what's a more important cause than that really? And, and a lot of people weren't really aware of it 10 years ago. And I think people are just kind of, just kind of catching on that. Wait, this is a big deal. This is what we should be really fighting for. So, man, to be a part of that was so amazing. Uh, I, I just wish because a lot of people were doing acoustic sets. We, we were like, yeah, well, let's do an acoustic set. And we, we were not prepared for that. I wish we, <laughs> I wish we plugged in for that. For that, that uh, no, it was great. If anybody wants to check that out, that's uh, Child Rescue Association. If we, We'd love to hear from you and any ideas you have for us or help. But, you know, I'm thinking about all the stuff that you've done. And I think another principle that I look at is we're trying to do this new investment fund, right? Greystock, we're trying to buy these boring, reliable apartment buildings, give people some passive income, right? It's quarterly checks. And okay. I think about what an opportunity is for like a completely crowded space. You know what I mean? Like how many investment funds are there? Tons. How many real estate investment funds are there? Tons and tons, right? And sure. I look at where you guys distinctly went and did something different and you did something that was in the media and was easy to get media attention. And like, you know, it was, it was crafted well to do well in the media and what a huge amplifier. And so I, I, you know, even this show right here, I mean, the reason we're doing this is it's like a great excuse to meet people. I wish I knew, but you know, I try to bring people some entertainment or bring people some information for their business, for their life. And as a result, they get to hear about Greystoke week after week, these little snippets here and there amongst somebody much more impressive than myself. You know, if you had any tips for people, regardless of the industry, who are trying to harness, harness the media to maybe bring some extra attention instead of just buying more advertisements, what's, what's a rookie mistake that you see people do? What's something that they might need to watch out for? Uh, rookie mistake. I think I've seen people not building their audience. I think, um, just putting something out there and hoping, hoping it'll, it'll catch on. 
and not not building your audience and your supporters and not really getting out there. I think you need to work on your creative projects before and you have to have your marketing plan ahead of ahead of the game. You got to know what you're doing before. You know, that's um, a good point. You I do think about whether it's the bands, whether it's the TV shows, whether it's the, the fashion, you know, and the clothing brands. I, I do notice that you have kind of a track record of being accessible and and the people that you work with, like you guys, you don't show up with a I'm a big deal attitude. And like there's so many people that are so happy to have a connection to you. And it does seem like it's really a two way conversation a lot. I As I think about things that you've done, it hasn't been like a one way fire hose. Is that do you see it differently or how would you describe that? No, I, I think that's that's kind of what I, I that's kind of my deal. Like work with me, I'll work with you. Let's be friends. And it, it takes away that, I don't know, that barrier. It's, again, so many people, even big hotshots, might have a different perception of you and they might be intimidated by you. So that's kind of my deal as I, I try to be less of that and more of just, look what I'm doing. This is fun. <laughs> Jump in the mix, you know, where you're going to want to have more fun being on stage than in the audience. But come on, come on, come on board. There is always room at the top. That that was Adam Ant, by the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, this is this has been great. I don't, we we should we should have done this more often, or we should do this, should have done this a while back as well. But yeah, um, sure. where do you want to leave? What's what's something that is either really important to you, or if you're trying to be helpful to someone else, what's maybe a parting thing? Knowing that we have a lot of you know entrepreneurs listening to the show. What, what do you want to leave with? Don't burn bridges. There's no reason for that. Don't be lame. I, I'm, if people, if you disagree with somebody politically or if you don't like their style, just don't, don't. <laughs> be cool. <laughs> is, is that, I don't know, that's, that's worked out for me. There's been so many opportunities where I could have like shot off and not been a friend or cut people off and, and try to do, I guess as I said in the, in the last part, try to be uh, exclusive. I, I, I don't know. I don't buy into, I don't buy into that personally. That's not where I come from because you, because you never know when you're going to, someone's going to need your help or, or you're going to need somebody's help and you're going to have to collaborate. And I mean, it's av- advantageous to just be cool. <laughs> I'm laughing at it because it sounds so simple. Just <laughs> don't burn bridges. You know, what's funny though, is I think about the emotions that I have that I feel tempted to burn a bridge, right? Let somebody have it, you know, let them know how I feel about it, whatever, right? And as time goes by, that feeling goes away, but the benefits of having stayed friends don't, you know? And I I look at, I don't know. Anyways, I I think it's great advice. And I think, you know, certain times I can be a little more (laughs) hot-blooded, right? And got my strong opinions and, and, you know, maybe I've been criticized before for being a bit of a hard charger and a steamroller sometimes right and yet like slowing down that just little bit and connecting at a human level and and cutting somebody some slack when they're not being their best version of themselves you know one of my heroes terry warner he wrote this amazing book called bonds that make us free and i ended up actually moving to the state to work for his consulting company and everything he talks about this idea of like when you when you point the finger at somebody their conscience defends them but when you like basically take it in silence, their conscience convicts them. Like they, they hear their own words and they're playing over in their mind. And yeah. it's interesting because 
I'm like, well, I don't want to let them get off the hook. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they did that, right? And yet by blaming or accusing them, it actually gives them an excuse to hold on to those feelings where by not doing that, they have to they have to live with what they said or did, right? Exactly. I'm I'm all about let let them hang themselves with their own rope if 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 there's a problem and and forgiving and and understanding. Of course, you know, in business we will get burned by people from time to time. And I'm not saying be a doormat, but I am saying you don't, we don't need to be a problem either. You know? I love it. Okay, man. Thanks for doing this. Dude, thanks for having me. <laughs> Anytime I'm here. Love it. I'm just drawing cross-eyed animals, <laughs> whatever you need. <laughs> I got it. I told you, you need that as a neck tattoo. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even need a business card. Your neck tattoo will say like, I draw cross-eyed animals. I draw cross-eyed animals. If you need it, call me up. Too so, funny. Yeah, thanks, Jess. Okay. Bye, All everyone. Right.